Welcome to All Saints Community Church Weekly Sermon Podcast. We are a community of worship and formation on mission with Jesus. Our desire for you as you listen is to be transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit as we read the scriptures and to be mobilized to actively bring God's kingdom to the earth. For more information on who we are, visit allsaintsokc.org or follow us on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter at ASCCOKC. Listen, I'm like, I'm learning to worship in new ways. Uh, And I'm learning that uh, when we fix our eyes on on the holiness of God, and when we, we fix our eyes on his majesty, and we attach our hearts to his glory, uh, things change and things happen. And um, that's not to say there aren't seasons where we worship and lament and we supplicate uh, with, with bleeding knees, but, but something happens when we, when we fix our spiritual eyes on, on the fixed point of reference for holiness and the fixed point of reference for truth, uh, something aligns, you know? So if you're sensing something, when you're singing holy, 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 uh, when you're singing he is worthy, uh, you're sensing his nearness and his goodness, and you're sensing sensing what what they're doing forever in the kingdom of God. And it doesn't help, it it doesn't hurt, it doesn't help to have Liam and Claire. I live with Claire. Uh, so, so I know that it's coming from a good place. It's coming from a real place. And I work uh, with Liam five days out of the week and then we see each other on Sunday, which is almost too much, but just the right amount, right? <laughs> it's not for me. I'm sure it's too much for him. It's like, cause man, I'll tell you what, the cult show gets old, doesn't it? He's like, yeah. Mm. And that's coming from a good place. Liam's a good man Monday through Friday. He's a good leader. So no shortage of A-plus leadership here. Thank you. Uh, I want to see God. I want to see him. I, I personally want to see God. And I, I, am, I am weary because uh, I've done it. And I'm tired uh, and exhausted through uh, church, church moralism, right? Where we, we are part of a church. And I'm tired of going to church, right? In the days ahead... And I'm not prophetically speaking about tough things coming. We're guaranteed troubles. But in the days ahead, as we, as we go on in life, we will face trials and temptations. And church moralism will fail. It will fail you. Striving to make everything around you picture perfect will fail. It will not hold. If you build a house 
that Jesus himself does not build for you, it will fall. So let's start there. I want to see God. I want to see him rightly. And I want the world to see him as he is. And it is going to scare some people. And it is going to light some other people up. And I want the world to see him as he is. As the God of love. As the creator of justice and equity. As a righteous God. As a holy God. So we're going to start there. Matthew 5, 8. It's part of the Beatitudes. Listen, we could do a year on the Beatitudes. Like, they're just like mind-blowing. But Matthew 5, 8 says, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Okay? So if you want to see God, then let's talk. But if you hear that and you're like, that's not for me. That's cool. We're going to wrap up at 12. Don't worry about it. But if you want to see God, let's talk for just a second. Um, purity, pure of heart, is not our striving and our good things that we've done that make up our pure DNA. Purity of heart is what Christ Jesus has done for us, and we share in his righteousness. Purity is us living in our true identity. So if you are, if you are a person who has the Holy Spirit, and you are saved, when we ingest worldly pleasures, they deplete us, right? Right? Um, that's crazy. I'm not going to tell that story. But it's like, I was thinking of like a sci-fi novel. Oh, I'll go ahead. No, I'm not going to do it. Uh, yes, no, yes, no. Green light, red light, green light, red light in my head as I'm talking. Is that in the flesh? Is that in the spirit? It's in the flesh. Okay. But when we ingest things of the world, worldly pleasures, our genetic regenerated DNA in Christ Jesus cannot sustain that. And that's why we get, that's why we feel guilt. That's why we feel shame. That's why we feel heavy. It's like going to the state fair and eating fried pickles, fried Oreos, cotton candy, and then the, the, the root beer thing that they sell, right? And it is awesome for two and a half hours, right? It is really good. But the following two weeks are really hard, <laughs> right? And I know this because I, I went to the state fair probably five years ago, and I set a new, uh, that was the time, like, my weight just changed, you know? My baseline weight was different after the state fair, and it hasn't been back ever since. But as reborn people into the kingdom of God, we are not designed to ingest worldly pleasures and for that to sustain us. And that's why it feels gross. 
right? And that's why we feel like we have to hide. Purity is us living as our, in our true identity. Purity is not a striving. It's a rest. It's an identity. It's sharing in his righteousness that he already did for us. To see God. Purity opens the door for us to see God before and behind every situation, every action, every person and every idea. We're able to see God and all those things. Above and below, we can see God below and above every circumstance. Every idea that we hear, every opinion that we hear, we can see God in those things. What does God think about this? We can see God. And every chaos, and every chaos, we can see the North Star as a fixed point of reference for truth, for righteousness, where mercy and grace flow from. We can see God in every chaos for the pure in heart. And, and one day to see him again, because he is coming back. And we get to see him spiritually uh, in all these circumstances and in the eyes of his children, in the Imago Dei. But one day we get to see him face to face, and he's coming back, right? This is the appetizer. This is the appetizer, the main course, the finale and the new beginning at the same time is coming. This is one of my favorite verses, Revelation 22, 4 through 5. They will see his face and his name will be on their foreheads and the night will be no more and they will need no light of lamp or sun for the Lord God will be their light, and they will reign forever and ever. This, this is ultimately describing like the ultimate like eschatological seeing of God. But at the same time, this verse, for me, serves as a good litmus test. If I read this verse and I'm not stirred, something needs to change. If I'm not stirred about my king coming back... And having my name on his forehead, if that doesn't stir me, and it hasn't, something needs to change. Something needs to change. This is, this is the fixed point of reference. This is where we're going. This is the trillion-year view. Some of you got 80 years left. Some of us 10. That's not prophetic. It's not that long. It is not that long. We are going to look back and go, wow, that was really fast. That's not biblical. That's just my opinion. So don't write that down. Just feel like it's going to be true, you know? I have a kid who's going into fifth grade, you know? And I'm like, wow, that was really fast. I know, the Adels are over here being like, buckle up, buddy. 
I saw Caleb yesterday. I was running. I stopped by and talked to him. What a good guy. Building that new shed. It's going to be cool. Um, just got to take a break. I didn't get meet and greet time. So I'm just going to sprinkle it in a little bit if that's okay. Okay, so say we achieve purity of heart. All right. I've arrived. I'm here. I am pure. I am righteous. How wonderful am I? Should we stop? No. Purity is not something you graduate from. Salvation is not something you graduate from. There's not a diploma for salvation. There's a seal, but there's not a diploma. There's not a diploma for purity. You finished. 4.0, baby. Good job. It's not something that we finish and we graduate from. God is continually working in us, allowing us to take part and share in his righteousness by way of Jesus in the power of the Holy Spirit. It is a wonderful, very strange, but very perfect relationship. Read this. This is one of my favorites. Ephesians 2, 8 and 10. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and it is not of your own doing. It is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Sometimes you just don't need to preach. It just, this does it for you. This is, this is the, the spiritual pride beater, right? Any righteousness you hold on your own, any good deed on your own is not on your own. It literally says, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. All we do is walk. <laughs> right? All we have to do is walk. License to stop striving. to slow down and to rest. The good works are his. The purity is his purity. When we host, when we host his righteousness, we're filled. And when we're filled, we're satisfied and we're nourished. When we're filled, we are sustained right? When we're sustained, we don't have any wants but him. When we're sustained, we have no more wants but him. Our longings align with Jesus' longings. And that's a good place to sit, right? 
when he's our shepherd, we finally have rest. And purity leads us to rest in him more. It's just a cycle. Speaking to you because I've, I've done it sometimes and sometimes I don't. <laughs> and I realize when it breaks down that I need to rest in him. So the striving... And the longing leads to unrest. So striving and longing for me lead me to unrest. And I get crazy, right? Anybody else get crazy when they don't have sleep, right? Well, if you don't have spiritual sleep, you get crazy too, right? Everybody's got a little crazy in them, right? Some of you are like, not me. I can sense it. But you do. Because the person next to you has seen it. <laughs> and that's the person next to you laughing because they know it's true. Um, I, when, I, when, when we're tired, our eyes are crazy, right? Um, if you've ever driven all the way through the night, uh, you know, right at dawn, like your eyes start to get crazy. And you start to see things and start to get colors in your eyes. And, and your proteins need rest and your eyes need rest. And so when you're tired, you start to see things funny, right? And Satan has, his goal isn't really to get all of us in the occult, right? That happens sometimes, but his goal is only to shift your gaze off the north star, the fixed point of reference, to just one more other star. That's not the Lord, right? He has an almost God for everything. There is a counterfeit kingdom for every kingdom, right? There's just a, that almost sounds like God, kind of, and we start following that almost, and we start to get lost. So in many circumstances, uh, say kingdom intimacy or marital intimacy, Satan's counterfeit for that is, could be pornography or lust, the rush of feeling and sensing God, right? Satan has a wonderful counterfeit for that. It's fantastic, and it's plaguing lots of people. But God offers freedom from sin. You can have freedom from sin. He didn't say you can have a break from sin. You can have a, a temporary reprieve from sin. He said literally that you can have freedom from sin. And if he said that, I believe it. You can have freedom from sin. God offers us to be content in him and to find rest in him, but sometimes we find ourselves content in ourselves and we get obsessed and fixated with self-image and comparison. And every comparison we make of ourselves to somebody else is a rejection of God and what he's done in us. And we get in these crazy cycles on just digesting LinkedIn and what everybody else is doing and what I've been doing, right? 
probably nine of you connected with that. My mom's like, what's LinkedIn? Just kidding. Kill the live stream. There's kingdom justice. These are God's ideas. Justice and equity are God's ideas. It's all over the Old Testament. The world likes to think that they invented it, but those are God's ideas. And they come from God. And the judge and the harborer of truth and the oak of righteousness, the ultimate oak of righteousness, has the final say of justice and equity. And the world likes to say, this is justice, this is equity. And sometimes they can overlap. And a lot of times they don't. Satan has a counterfeit for everything. Um, and a lot of the times when we get unrestful and weary, we get covety. It's a word I made up. And it's, won't work in, it might work in Wordle. Is it five covety? Wordle covety. We get covetous. And... We have a desire for what's in front of us that the world keenly offers us strategically uh, in place of what God offers us eternally. Uh, the, I'm going to read one of the Ten Commandments. I, lo- I love, I love, on my good days, I love the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments are a love letter to the Israelites. The love letter of God to his people. And saying... Life is found within these confines. It's very simple. But on number 10, we all leave out number 10. I use honor your father and mother, and it will go well with you all the time in my house. But we leave out number 10 sometimes because it's number 10, and we start getting exhausted right around 7 or 8, right? Thou shalt not kill. I'm not going to kill anybody. Sermon on the Mount disproves that, doesn't it? Uh, I'm going to read it. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife, his male servant, or his female servant, or his ox, or his donkey, or anything that is your neighbor's. Covetousness and coveting is a yearn. Here's what it is. It's a yearn to possess what is not yours. And and there's lots of, I've, I've listed out some like pretty severe sins that have consequences like outside of our own mental heart state, like sexual sin. But covetousness a lot of the time is just a sin that revolves around in our own minds. And it takes up a lot of brain space and a lot of heart space. And it leads us to striving and exhausting in our heads about obsessing about the things that we don't have. I know I've done it a lot. And God redeems us. And he offers us a new way. And the new way isn't to to wait on the Lord to get stuff. But the way to fight is to lay down and rest. Uh, I want to read this, and Claire's going to come up and read something from a book she found at an estate sale. (laughs) 
Um, Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Where did this book come from? I found it at an estate sale. I really did. I really did. Uh, this is called A Shepherd Looks at Psalm 23 by Philip Keller. Um, it says, Can you say that Philip, is the Philip? He's actually a shepherd. Yeah, he's a shepherd. And it, so all, it's looking at every single line of Psalm 23 um, from a shepherd's perspective. And it's really, really good. So he says about the line, he maketh me to lie down in green pastures. This is what he says. The strange thing about sheep is that because of their very makeup, it is almost impossible for them to be made to lie down unless four requirements are met. One, owing to their timidity, they refuse to lie down unless they are free of all fear. Two, because of the social behavior within a flock, sheep will not lie down unless they are free from friction with others of their kind. Three, if tormented by flies or parasites, sheep will not lie down. Only when free of these pests can they relax. And four, lastly, Sheep will not lie down as long as they feel in need of finding food. They must be free from hunger. It is significant that to be at rest, there must be a definite sense of freedom from fear, tension, aggravations, and hunger. The unique aspect of this picture is that it is only the sheep man himself who can provide release from these anxieties? Spoken from a shepherd, free from fear and freedom from hunger. So it's a two-step process. So first we're going to talk about the holy cutoff. Right? Everyone in this room has an opportunity to close the door to sin somewhere in their life. Right? I do. We all came in with something. And then I want to talk about resting. Resting in the Lord. So first I want to read uh, Proverbs 25, 4 through 5. I love this image. Take away the dross from the silver, and the smith has material for a vessel. Take away the wicked from the presence of a king, and his throne will be established in righteousness. I love that. Take away the dross, or like the riffraff, the impurities from the silver, and how they do that is they boil the silver. They get it hot, and the, the impurities rise to the top and the silversmith scoops the impurities off the top and then he has mighty material to make a great sword 
I love that. That's when we sing, I want to be tried by fire purified. That is not an easy song to sing because we've let things sit in there so long sometimes when they rip out and we allow God to rip them out, to take them out. Lord, here's my life. It burns a little bit and it is hot, but it is ultimately good. It is so good. It is so good to be refined over and over and over again. We don't graduate from refinement. We will not graduate from refinement. There's always opportunity to refinement. And in that, we receive his mercy. We receive his grace. We take hold of his goodness. He gives us hope. He wraps our mind in hope. The joy of the Lord is our strength. He gives us strength with his, with his joy. And that sounds good to me. Uh, here's a really difficult passage for you, for us. Matthew 5, 27 through 30. You have heard it said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of your members than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. For it is better for you to lose one of your members than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. This, uh, I'm going to talk about this in two ways. Uh, one, I didn't bring any machetes today. I didn't bring any ice scoops. So we're not doing this. Uh, that sounds scary. And it's a tough passage to read. Um, even, even a lot of the disciples were like, that is a hard word. Um, so Jesus is talking figuratively here giving us an opportunity to take extreme measures to close the door to sin. To close the door to sin. So that, not bringing in our own righteousness, but that we can take hold of the purity available to us to live as redeemed sons and daughters of God. To live in our truest identity as sons that our flesh, a member of our flesh was holding us back from obtaining and sharing in that, I have no doubt in my mind that, that we would go to extreme measures to cut it off because his glory is that good. I don't know it because I haven't seen it, but I know it in my heart for God has put eternity in man's heart. That's what Ecclesiastes says. He's put eternity in my heart and so I know that. I know it's that good. I know it's worth it. I know it's worth the holy cutoff, the holy severance. I'm talking about the holiness of God and the righteousness of a mighty king. It sounds so silly when it comes down to the things that we actually have to cut off. It makes them seem so small. 
because I'm reading in my notes here some of the things that we could cut off. And like in light of his majesty and his glory and grace, these things seem so dumb. But they don't on a Tuesday morning at 9.30 a.m. They don't seem, they seem too powerful for us. So if there's a social app on our phone that is drawing us away from the heart of God, we delete the app, right? If the computer position in your office is not fashioned in a way where it is giving you accountability and you need it, move your computer. If we can't watch the news and not hate people that we disagree with, we need to stop watching the news. If we're watching worldly media and it makes us hate other people, we should stop watching the news. For our fight is not against flesh and blood, but against the principalities of darkness. Our enemy is not a person. Our enemy has already been defeated. And we get to take, we get to take part in the battle as sons and daughters of God with silver swords. Woo! I'm pumped about it. Satan is coming at us with hell. And so our natural reaction is to buck up. We're going to give him more than what he asked for. That's how I am. Like, I'm a fighter, man. I'm like, you want, a, you want a piece of me? I've cussed him out in my car before, right? That doesn't help. <laughs> but I've been mad. We fight back with the power of God in Jesus' name. We fight back with the power of God in Jesus' holy name that we have access to. Isn't that crazy? I'm going to reign with that guy. I'm going to reign with that guy. It's crazy. Go on about that. <clears throat> so we rest in him. Ways that we rest in him. We don't go through the motions. When we, we, we fast from food, from media, like Al was talking about a couple of weeks ago, so good. Sometimes we just fast from the worldly buffet of dumb stuff, right? There's just no shortage of dumb stuff to talk through and argue through. But sometimes we can fast from it. And that's good. And that's holy. And there are times to be critically engaged with what is happening on the earth. And then there are holy times to purify your mind and your heart, to step away and to step back and to take part in the reality of what's happening. And is that God is on the throne still. He's always on the throne. He was on the throne yesterday, Saturday. He's on the throne tomorrow. Tomorrow's Monday. He's on the throne. He's still on the throne. I haven't looked at my schedule, but I think he's going to be on the throne Tuesday as well. So make sure and stop by. Set your DVRs. 
Um, I'm so sorry. That was flesh too. Uh, we worship and we pray. We worship and we pray. We have a diet. We have a holy diet of worship, praying, fasting, meditating on the scriptures. And to some of us, when I'm saying that, like in your heart, is going, yes, yes. And some of you are burned out on one of those things or maybe all of those things. And I want to say that if that's you, you are normal. It's okay. But because we get burned out on the holy spiritual practices and rhythms that God has set before us on the earth to participate in, to receive power from the Holy Spirit because of Jesus, we keep doing those things when it's hard. It's called a sacrifice. A sacrifice of praise. Sacrificial prayer. It means that you do these things when they're difficult. And we don't come to God when it's conditional for it to be easy for us. Because his love to us is unconditional. So he meets us with his love, with his mercy, with his grace, unconditionally. Unconditionally. So me drawing his direction as well, when that's unconditional too, there's power there. There's rest there. There's freedom from sin there. I promise you, there's freedom from sin. Freedom from sin. There's freedom from sin for you. And the light of his glory and his grace. And as we spend daily time with Jesus in his word, we see him. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. That's when you're filled. That's when I get filled. Hungering and thirsting for righteousness. And when I stop ingesting counterfeit love and I stop ingesting worldly alternatives that seem almost like God, and I stop spending $35 at the state fair on fried pickles, see God. To see him is to know him. And to know him, when you know him, you love him. You can't help but love him. And we love because he loved us first. All right. So how do we achieve purity of heart? This is, this is I gave this to the youth uh, a couple months ago. Um, but these are just kind of like, what do I do next? These are my what do I do nexts. Uh, something that I don't graduate from. I don't graduate from this. <laughs> I don't graduate 
we all collectively don't graduate from this. But we cut off the channel where sin enters in, into our lives. And I have some references here, and I'm not going to go into them. Uh, but we cut off the channel where sin enters our lives. And then we shall not want. We are learning to be satisfied in the Lord. That's the typo. It's supposed to be learning to be satisfied in the Lord. So if you take a picture of it, just Photoshop it. We learn to be satisfied in the Lord. We hunger and thirst for righteousness, and we are satisfied completely. And we see God. We see God for who he really is. There's a vigilant battle ahead for those who are serious and who want to see God. But there's also a victory ahead for those who are serious and want to see God. There are good things available to us. There's freedom from sin available to us to live rightly in our truest identity and our real sonship as a son of the king, as a daughter of the good mighty king, pure and blameless and free from sin. Let's pray. Thank you for Jesus, the fulfiller of the law. Thank you for Jesus, Lord. Thank you that you are a good father. And thank you for sending the Holy Spirit. Thank you for sending the Holy Spirit. And that we have access and we can be hosts of your spirit because of what Jesus did. The only way that that makes sense is because of the love of God. So God, show us your love today. Pour out your love on us. Remind us of your love and how good you are. In Jesus' name, amen.